Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Turf Talk Thursdays, episode eight in season two of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. So generally on Turf Talk Thursdays, I go over this week's games slates. This is week 10 of the NFL season. I know it's only episode eight. Things happen again in the way, but I digress. So week 10 of the NFL slate, I'll be going over all the games Thursday through Monday night's contest. I'll also give you a little bit of a fantasy advice for the Thursday night game. And I'm recording a little late, so I'm going to try to shoot through this and get it out and on the wire and also get the fantasy information out. So the Thursday night game is being played between the Atlanta Falcons visiting here to Charlotte, North Carolina, playing against the Carolina Panthers. Now, this one is pretty simple to me. In the last contest, neither defense could really stop each other's running game. And it gave both quarterbacks the opportunity to make some plays in the passing game with uh, DJ Moore being the beneficiary to great scale. And I believe Kyle Pitts had a touchdown reception in that game, which is something that he does not do because they do not use him. That all being said, let's kind of give a quick view of the fantasy prospects for each one. Let's go with the visitors first from the Atlanta Falcons. You are not starting Marcus Mariota. There are better quarterback options, even with some solid quarterbacks and high-level quarterbacks, actually, uh, being out this week with Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson being out. But you're not starting Marcus Mariota, except in maybe two quarterback leads or super flex leads. leagues. Running back, you'll start Cordero Patterson. He is their guy, even though I think that he is less efficient than some of the other guys that they have and at the age. But I think they lean towards the veteran in this one. You can possibly look to Tyler Algier as a flex option in deeper leagues, 12-plus team leagues. You can look to him for that, especially in PPR formats. He may be the one who gets a couple of receptions, as he did uh, down the chain, but they don't really use the running backs. Wide receivers, Drake London, you are going to sit. There's got to be better options. A guy even with a 30% target share doesn't mean much when you're only getting six receptions or six targets in that 30% target share. Uh, Kyle Pitts, you're starting only because tight end is tight end, and it is horrible. And there's no Mark Andrews this week uh, or Tyler Conklin because they're on buys. Their defense, they're a sneaky play for the defense this week. I say you can stream them because the weather might actually lean towards them being a positive. On the opposite side, we'll start in reverse order with the Panthers. We'll go with their defense. That's actually a solid play this week. The Panthers' defense is able to generate pressure, and the Falcons, with how they run the ball, usually take possessions away. That's a positive. They're tight end. You're not starting any tight end. Wide receiver. You can look to starting DJ Moore, even in a 10-team league as a flex, but more so as a wide receiver three option. Uh, it is a little rainy out there, so inclement weather could come into play there. Terrence Marshall in a deep league, 14-teamers or more, you can start him. Uh, the running backs, you're starting down to Foreman. You can also start Schuber Hubbard. He's more of a flex option at this particular juncture, but you want to Keep in mind, you always want to put your flex guy, if it's a running back or a wide receiver, you put them at the running back or wide receiver position if they're playing early in the week. It gives you more options with that flex position. So that's the fantasy rundown. Oh, quarterback P.J. Walker, that's not a play here this week. So that's the rundown for this game. As far as how this game sets up, I usually like home teams when it is a situation where it's the Thursday night game, but I especially like them when the circumstances call for it. What do I mean by that? I think you get one team coming off of a disappointing home loss that really should have been a win. The Falcons kind of got manhandled in some respects with Drake London getting the ball just taken from him by Khalil Mack. And then also having that fumble from the gentleman who picked it up uh, off the Austin Eckler fumble where he just fumbled in the open field for no reason. 
that's one that kind of is depressing, and they'll start to press as a team knowing that they could win a division. On the other side, this team hasn't given up in the Panthers. I know that last week looked like it, but they got punched them out by a far superior team that was a buzzsaw that they ran into. Now they get to come back home. I think P.J. Walker will look better today. I think that their offense will look better. And I have the, the Panthers actually producing some solid points today. I have them winning 24-21. to 21. I think the rain conditions actually help out in this scenario. Usually if these were two high-flying teams that like to throw the ball, I wouldn't like it. But these running backs will get more touches, more carries, and give them the opportunity for uh, positivity. Uh, Atlanta's two and a half point favorite, so I have Carolina covering. I have a conference level of four in it. This is more of a toss-up game to me. It opened at three and a half, I believe, and got down to two and a half. That just shows you that the market also is buying into the Panthers. Uh, 41.5 is the over-under. We're going to give it a conference level of five because I have the over here. Uh, it's just one of those things where this is a fairly set, good, a fairly positively set line. That five is telling you as an indicator you need to just go ahead and make your own decision on it. I have the over. I have some confidence in that, especially since it's 41 and a half, not 42, uh, which is just an awkward thing for me. All right. Or awkward thing with how I behave with that. All right. We do have an international game this week. Played at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. It is going to be the Bucks versus the Seahawks in Munich, Germany. First game ever played in Germany uh, from the NFL regular season slate. All right. So what to expect from this game? I don't know what people are looking at. Um, even before I knew the, the spread, I just knew that they were favored. Vegas has the Bucks favored. I mentioned this on Week Side Wednesday. I think it's just more of a play to people's beliefs than it is anything about this actual game. In fact, I believe that the line did go down in similar fashion where it started at three or three and a half, and it's down at two and a half for the Bucs. Uh, I think the Seahawks are a superior team right now. They don't have the name brand recognition that you expect from the that you see in the Bucs on either side of the ball. But what they do is they play effective football. They're probably the best team in the NFC, at least, at utilizing their talent versus what they're getting in their output. The 6-3 and three team is looking to go 7-3, and three, and I think the Bucs will end up being 4-6 and six once this is all said and done. I have the Seahawks winning 24-17. I'm still giving some respect to the Bucs. They have positive players, but they just look like a shell of themselves. They look out of sorts. Mike Evans looks like he's lost, and he might be going through something in his personal life. Because I've never seen him be this bad at football in in consistent games. This is like three straight games where he's just bad at football. Whether it's not running routes correctly, whether it's dropping the ball. This hasn't been Mike Evans in a very long time. On the opposite side, the Seahawks, they look like a juggernaut. Uh, Again, Bucks are two and a half point favorites. I have a confidence level of seven that the Bucks will, that the Seahawks will cover that. Because I haven't won in the game. I don't want to go with my lock because you never know how... Things can be affected, especially with a 12-hour trip and being international. I love what the, the Seahawks have done so far, but let's say they end up getting punched in the mouth early. I think they'll respond, but you never know. So that's why I just have a confidence level of 7 on it and not higher. Uh, Over-under on this is 44.5. I have the under on this with a combined score of 41. I have a confidence level of 4 on this. I think that both teams can score in this game. Um, but 44.5 felt a little bit too high. Um I, I just I, I I didn't have too much confidence on it, but it does feel kind of high for a game like this with these two uh, squads that don't really score a lot of points on purpose. All right, moving on to the 1 p.m. slate. We got the Saints at the Steelers. I'll make this pretty simple. I like the Saints in this particular matchup because it makes it easier on them. I think in the one where they played against the Ravens just now, a lot of moving parts hard to prepare for. And early in the game, they were squashing the Ravens' run game. But then the Ravens took off because Lamar used his legs more. It made things awkward. That's not Kenny Pickett. 
The offensive line for the Steelers also can't run block. The Saints' run defense is still high quality, especially if you run downhill, much like the Steelers do. A little bit of motion. They're a responsible defense. The biggest issue the Saints have is tackling in open field space. If they do screens and things like that to Deontay Johnson, that could be an issue. Um, But otherwise, the Saints' defense matches up really well. On the opposite side, if T.J. Watt was back and healthy and playing, I would probably feel a little bit differently. But I don't think that the Saints' offensive line issues will be too effective in this game, I actually like the Saints being able to move the ball quite a bit, but bogged down the red zone because they're just an inefficient red zone team, in my opinion. I have the Saints winning 19 to 17 in this one. A uh, very awkward score. I think the Saints will kick a lot of field goals because they'll move the ball. And again, kick field goals, they'll play very close to the vest because you have a safe quarterback in there who, in a game like this, I guess is good to have, theoretically, even though you probably blow them out if you decided to throw the ball down the field more. Uh, the Saints are one and a half point favorites on the road. That's pretty close to the two point spread I have here. Again, I didn't see the spread prior to this uh, one. Only spread I really heard about or saw was the Bucks one. And I have a confidence level of four on this. Listen, I don't want it to be a situation where it's a homer thing or anything like that. I do think the Saints are a better team right now than the Steelers. The problem is the Saints don't think they're a better team than the Steelers in some respects. And that is shown with some of the performances they put out there. The over-under is 40 points on this game. I have an under with 36 combined points. I have a confidence level of 7 on that. I don't see a lot of just touchdowns being thrown around the yard. Movement is going to be between the 20s, uh, if I had to say anything, uh, or even the 30s. And what will end up happening is punt games and kick games will be very strong in this one. I do think if any team is going to get an explosive play, it'll probably be the Steelers, simply because the Saints do have some coverage busts that occur. All right, going to move on to the next game. The Vikings at the Bills. This is one that I did know that the Bills were favored, but I didn't realize till today how much that line was dropping. It is an insane drop from, I think it was eight and a half that it opened up at on Sunday. Josh Allen gets hurt. It's down to three and a half as of this broadcast or this recording, I should say. As this sets up, the Vikings are not that good on defense, especially on the back end. I would say Case Keenum can take advantage of that, but what I think is they're going to leave too high, and since this team refuses to run the ball, literally refuses to run the ball, it is maddening to watch a team like them or the the Chiefs because, yo, you have running backs, and they're actually good at football. Try them. Maybe they'll be forced to in this game, but I think the Vikings will leave too high, not let Stephon Diggs get off. This is more of a Dawson Knox game to me, to be candid, if they get any scoring going. Um, On the other side, Everyone talks about the Vontae Bills defense. One of the things that they do a really good job with, misdirection and also protection uh, in the Minnesota Vikings. So that pressure from the Bills won't be the issue. It's just they will probably have to take a lot of checkdowns, won't be able to get a lot of explosives. But Justin Jefferson will make those guys look silly. I have the Vikings winning this one 24-20. The Bills are a better team. They're a better unit. Again, if they play too high virtually the whole game and the Bills don't run them out of the too high, This is what's going to happen. The Bills need to run the ball and run the ball often in this game. Then they can get some explosive play action plays off of it, but they refuse to do that. I need to see it before I believe it, even with Josh Allen out. The Bills are three and a half point favorites. Again, that's been coming down. I feel pretty confident. I have a confidence level of seven that the Vikings are going to cover. Even if they don't win this game, they'll lose a close one in this particular matchup. Uh, The over-under is 43 and a half. I have the over in this by a half a point. By hook, I have a confidence level of two. I feel like this could be a really ugly, mucky game where the winner comes out either way in a close one by like three or four points. 
and I expect the under. Not a lot of explosives in this one, given the defense of the Bills versus a team that is willing to take the checkdowns uh, in the Vikings. And on the other side, the Vikings who can give up explosives, but Case Keenum's not going to do that. All right, the Lions at the Bears in this one. I like both teams and what they've been able to accomplish over the last several weeks. I like that the, the, the Lions have co- bounced back from just some bad play about four weeks ago to playing competent football and getting a win last week. Big win over the Packers. Good for them. Uh, same thing with the Bears. The Bears finally realized, hey, and you got to give credit where credit is due. I've said it in each show. I'll keep saying it. Uh, Justin Fields is playing excellent football, but it's because his coaching staff actually realized, hey, let's just do what the young guy does well, get him some pieces, and he might continue to blossom and flourish into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But uh, what do I know? In this particular game, I do like the Bears taking this one in what the score will indicate is easy fashion, but I think it'll be a close back and forth game in a lot of ways. I have the Bears 28-20. I just feel like Justin Fields and company won't be stopped. He's hard to stop in the red zone, especially with a defense that honestly on the back end has communication issues. They've bl- had to bench cornerbacks uh, during the season so far. Uh, a lot of moving parts and pieces. Honestly, they didn't play as well as the score indicates against the Packers last week. Aaron Rodgers uncharacteristically lost his mind and threw multiple interceptions in the red zone on bonehead plays, to be candid. Uh, they moved the ball quite well, and they just missed opportunities. I don't think the Bears will miss many opportunities here. On the other side, that Lions offense is still pretty damn good. They're getting healthier in some respects, and even though I think Jamal Williams will still get the bulk of the carries here, I do think that they'll have all pieces to some extent, and what it will offer them is the, the chance to really push that Bears defense. It's just that the Bears are shell over, not allow big explosives, and you'll get a lot of movement, probably a couple of field goals. That's why I have the Lions putting up five scoring drives here. One, two, three, four. Maybe it's just four. Sorry. Scoring drives here with a score of 20. Uh, the Bears are three-point favorites. I have a confidence level of eight that they'll cover that. I really just think the Bears are A, a better team, and B, you like to go with the best player on the field. That's Justin Fields right now. It feels like he's playing against, uh, he's the best kid at the park, period, pretty much. Um, and I don't expect that to change uh, in this particular matchup. So confidence level of eight, uh, 40, 48 and a half, 48 and a half. Hard to speak English sometimes, folks. 48 and a half points is the over-under. I technically have the under by a half a point. When I have the over-under by a hook, look, it feels weird. But when it feels weird or it feels like it's too close, I only have a confidence level of three on this. I think they did a good job setting this line. And what I can see happening is either A, a couple of turnovers that stop teams from scoring when they get in the red zone, or B, this could just be a shootout and be one of those 38 to 35 games. I don't like this. It smells bad all over so that's why i have a confidence level of three on this under i'd have the same on the over it does not feel good to bet on that line folks all right moving on to the next game and one that i feel a little more confident about because these teams are odd and it's an awkward thing to get a lot of this stuff right all right so the broncos are at the titans playing in nashville this upcoming weekend here's how it sets up the broncos have a really good defense they traded away bradley chubb but i think they had the requisite pass rushers to justify it and they weren't going to pay him also because they have paid russell wilson all the monies also that offense i think that they really realize what they are right now they are basically an amended version of the baltimore ravens heavy tight end usage the wide receivers are there for window dressing and run the ball on the other side of the ball tennessee is tennessee and i actually think in a game like this malik willis will be a better player than Ryan Tannehill would. I think they'd get pressure on Tannehill. He's not going to throw the ball to the wide receivers too much. I think at least Malik Willis, it forces them to have to widen out. 
and not be able to play so downhill and aggressively because of his ability. Even Kansas City struggled. The difference was Kansas City was willing to bring the blitz and hope that Willis couldn't complete balls down the field and his receivers dropped the ball. So not a lot of confidence in that. I have the Titans winning one in a very similar fashion to the game I described earlier played between the Saints and the Steelers. 19 to 16, a lot of just playing inside the, in between the 30s or 25s. And then field goals have to be kicked. The Broncos are used to that. I see three field goals from them. The Titans are used to that. I see four. Well, I see multiple field goals from them. And then them going for a two that doesn't get completed type deal. Uh, someplace in this game, that type of situation, just a funky score, 1916. Uh, Titans are three point favorites, so that's a push for me here on this one. Again, I don't look at the over under or the, the line until after I predict my score because that's cheating. Uh, and then, so I have no confidence score on that because it's a, uh, technically a push. The over under on this is 38. I have the under at 35 combined points. I am. <laughs> Going with a conference level of five. I think this is a, a, a well-placed line. I think that the under is more likely at 38 points. Um, but it's a coin flip to me. I feel comfortable and confident with saying, I would tell you to take the under. But if you took the over, I can definitely see it. This is a type of matchup where Derrick Henry can break a long run. It will force if they go down by large score. It will force the Broncos to have to throw the ball. So while I favor the under, if you took the over, I can definitely see it. And I would not lean you against that. That's why I have a confidence level of five on this. Jags and Chiefs in what I expect to be the complete polar opposite in a game. This is a weird matchup to me from the following perspective. You're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be offered the opportunity to run the ball. But again, they will refuse to and they'll try to throw the ball around the yard because, yes, Jacksonville doesn't have the best cover unit. But at the same point in time, you can run the ball against them. Opposite side, Steve Spagnuolo, because part of his scheme is still, hey, pressure bust pipes. Let me just bring the blitz. Let me just make things happen. I think that you'll have a crafty coach in Doug Peterson who will be able to alleviate some of that pressure. And a lot of their run schemes will actually take care of those blitzes. That's why I expect that even if Patrick Mahomes has to throw the ball 65, I think it was 68 attempts last time, more times again, they'll score. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs also will give up points because they're playing a team that, while they can pass, they have pass catchers, they're a run-based team. This is a run-based team, and you're going to see a lot of Travis Etienne, and he'll be able to take advantage of a lot of those blitzes. You'll see more in the screen game as well, draws, things like that, and I see a high-scoring contest. I have the Chiefs winning 35-28. Yes, that high-scoring. You know, if if usually when you have a team that likes to run, it's more plotting. It's more of, let's say, Atlanta, even Cleveland in some respects, or Tennessee. Difference with Atlanta is Atlanta doesn't have a lot of explosives. Cleveland and Tennessee have a dude who's a dude in the backfield, so he gives explosives. Jacksonville has explosive run plays built. So that's one thing against a bad run defense. And on the other side, you have the king of explosive in Andy Reid with the king of explosive at quarterback in uh, Patrick Mahomes. That lends itself to more offensive possessions being given in this game. That's why you'll have a lot of points. Kansas City's nine-point favorites in this. I have the Jags covering. I think that this will be one of those games where Kansas City will probably have a fair level of control, but the score won't indicate it. Kansas City's played a lot of close games. I trust them in a close game way more than I trust the Jaguars. It's not even close, but nine points is a lot of points to cover. Kansas City hasn't been covering those big spreads. 
Give me the Jags. I only have a confidence level of five on it because I can understand why you would take the Chiefs to cover this, being at home and the Jags not being that team. But it just doesn't feel good. Nine points is a lot of points, especially against a team that can score. Uh, the over-under is 50.5. I have the over on this, and I do feel more comfortable with the over-hitting. It'll have to be turnovers or inclement weather for the over not to hit because I think that there's just too many explosives that happen in this, this game. I have a confidence level of 7 on the over-hitting. Again, I have a, co a combined score of 63 on an over-under of 50.5. All right, next game in a 1 p.m. slate. It's going to be the Browns at the Dolphins. I'll make this one simple. You have two different philosophies played out Two similar philosophies played out in different ways. Sorry, said that incorrectly. Two similar philosophies, play, philosophies played out in different ways. They have run games that are set to set up the pass, but they're played out very differently. You have one team that has a lot of zone run uh, setups, and they want to stretch you horizontally. And that's the Miami Dolphins, right? Brought in Jeff Wilson Jr. They have Raheem Mostert. They were able to get guys who can press and then hit and get up the field. But off that play action, you have two who can turn his back and then easily assess. Because of the, the, the space that's been put in play, he can get Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle on crossers, things like that, negatively impact you horizontally, and those guys can turn up the field and take big advantage. That's when they get their big shots over the top. The other team, because they have a power run set, and yes, they use some, some run concepts, but they do a lot of power with Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, what they'll do is they'll lull you, to, lull you to sleep with those jab, 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 and then the haymaker might come, whether it's in the run game with a big run because you're trying to be responsible for those play-action passes where they take some deep shots to Amari Cooper, even rail routes to David Njoku might be back this week. Basically, what I'm saying is this is a game where you're going to get a lot of movement, a lot of yards, but it might bog down in the red zone. I do have the score reflective of bogging down, but touchdowns being scored. Give me the Browns, though, 24 to 21. I feel like this particular matchup, the Browns are not going to let the explosive hap explosives happen. I think they'll probably use Denzel Ward on Jalen Waddle, knowing that Tyreek Hill is different and trying to shut him down. Not exactly where you want to be. Um, on the other side, two weeks to prepare for this for the Browns. I think the Browns come out, and one of the things that they'll take advantage of is they're going to squeeze for the run and then shell for the pass. Again, Squeeze for the run, shell for the pass. Make those guys get outside on the exterior in the run game for you and just keep those guys, make sure that they're running the ball. They're going to squeeze the inside so those guys don't get open lanes and hit it hard. You want them going horizontally in the run game, and then you can rally up. And Miles Garrett is a beast. Let's just get that out of the way. So I like the Browns in this particular matchup. Now, Miami has three and a half point favors mainly because they're at home, but then that hook says that they are favored in a neutral site. Uh, I got a confidence level of eight that the Browns are going to cover because I think they'll straight up win, but that hook actually gives me a little more confidence because now it says, in what I expect to be a close game, even if the Browns lose 24-21 as an example, I don't think they're going to lose by more than three. So that's why I have a confidence level eight on that. The over-under is 49 points. I have the under, but I have a confidence level of five. Very similar scenario to the game that I talked about earlier with the Broncos and uh and Titans, where it's one of those, you know, it, it, it's a it's a well-set line. I think you should go either way. I would tell you in this particular matchup to take the under, but the over could definitely hit with some of those explosive plays. Again, Nick Chubb, 
beast. He is the best this year runner in the NFL as far as making explosive plays happen. Uh, second best is still Derrick Henry. He used to be the best, but I think it switched a little bit. And then we know what Tyreek Hill is. He's not a real person from a athletics perspective, literally off the charts. All right. Last game on the 1 p.m. slate. It is the Texans at the Giants. Now, this is a very interesting matchup. And I really do mean this. I think this is two defenses that will play well against the opposing offense because they line up well against them. While Saquon Barkley should be able to get running lanes because the Texans aren't a good run defense, I think because of the lack of wide receivers and the quarterback that they'll play a virtual single high. Now, what do I mean by virtual single high? They're a cover two defense, but cover two defenses don't just exclusively play cover two. They used to in 2003. They can't now. That's just how the NFL is built. So what they'll do is they'll start with the two high, but there's a guy who's going to be hiding coming down the box. Maybe a safety replaces the corner as he comes down to fill. They're going to play different ways to make things awkward on Daniel Jones and company. Because the best way for the Giants to score is either Saquon Barkley getting a run, Saquon Barkley getting a pass, or the read option with Barkley and Daniel Jones, with the last one being Daniel Jones getting out on the edge and then hopefully hitting someone who's open because Daniel Jones has pressed the defense. Outside of the ball. I don't know if Brandon Cooks is playing. I don't think it actually matters. And the main reason I'm saying this is not because Brandon Cooks is a bad athlete or a bad football player, but I don't think that this is what's going to affect them. The Giants are one of the best pass defenses from a yards perspective in the NFL. While they don't have the guys that you're used to saying are the best corners in the NFL, Dory Jackson and company have played well this year, and they just play a good brand of football. They communicate well on the back end with the New York Giants. So that won't matter. Pierce, Damian Pierce, who's everyone, who everyone's talking about, who I think is a better running back than some believe, but I don't think is as good as others believe. I think that Damian Pierce is a, an effective running back. You can even classify him as a good running back. Now, what do I mean by an effective running back? This is a guy who is the quintessential, give me 25 carries, I'll get you 100 plus yards. That's terrible efficiency, but some guys can't physically do that. Again, with the way they want to play, I believe the Texans want a guy like that for this year. Is he the long-term answer at running back? Maybe to them. But I think for what they want to do this year, he is exactly what they need. A guy who's going to chew up the clock. Four yards, four yards. Oh, now it's third and two. We can play action. Short pass to tight end. Effective drives. Shorten the game. That's what the, the Texans want to do this year. To keep games close and keep these guys in manageable situations so they can pull off victories when it's in their grasp. I don't think this one will be in their grasp. I think that it'll be a very back and forth game, but without a lot, a lot of punts probably in this game. I think both defenses are effective. I have the Giants winning 20 to 13 in this one. Giants are four and a half point favorites. They're playing at home. I don't think the Giants, the Giants are a beefed up version of the Texans. And I don't mean by personnel. I mean, both teams want to just keep the game ugly enough to make it close and then make better decisions than you late in the game. Okay. So the Giants being four and a half point favorites makes a lot of sense. I have them covering here. I like that four and a half. I don't like five and a half. We've discussed this. If you've listened to the show before, I have a comments level six on this. I don't believe in Daniel Jones, but I believe that Daniel Jones is playing good football right now. If that makes sense. I've seen three and a half years of tape on Daniel Jones. I don't believe that. I don't believe in him as a franchise quarterback, but this year, Daniel Jones has played good football. You have to admit it. And if he keeps playing good football, good for him. If he gets contract, great. Good for him. Like, I'm, I'm not shading him. It's just I can't put more confidence level points in this, especially since 
They're also not trying to blow teams out. They are perfectly fine winning the game by one point. The over-under is 40.5 points. I actually have the under here with a combined score of 33, and I have a confidence level of 5 on this. Again, coin flip. I actually should have more confidence on here, but I feel like this is the type of situation that lends itself to awfulness. And let me explain this really quickly. I don't think these offenses are going to expose each other to death. In fact, based on the two quarterbacks that are playing, we could end up with a doomsday scenario. See, this is perfectly set up for a clean game to offer the under. Perfectly set up. But I can see a non-clean game. The guy I have more faith in out of the two quarterbacks is Daniel Jones because he's not doing normal Daniel Jones things. Things he used to do. Timely turnovers, fumbles, things like that. He's holding onto the ball and being secure. But if he does revert, pick six, fumble return for a touchdown, that type of thing, or setting them up in an easy place to score. I have less belief that that's going to happen. I do believe that Davis Mills could do that because he could get fooled with this defense. Again, this is a pressure-based defense. Davis Mills has tried his tail off to be a good quarterback this year. It hasn't worked. Now he's going against Wink Martindale and that defense that's played really well. And they had a week off. Listen, it's just, this doesn't set up well, in my opinion, for him. And that's why I think the over can hit. Because again, pick sixes, things like that. Then you get a, a late garbage time score by a team like the Texans and they end up covering that 40 and a half because they lost, uh, you know, 28 to 13. And all of a sudden they get a late garbage time score. And now you've lost that and it's awful. All right, <clears throat> that's the last game of the 1 p.m. slate. Let's move on to the, the 405 game. That's the Colts at the Raiders. Uh, I'll make this one fairly simple. We know about the Jeff Saturday hiring. We know about everything going on and speculation and stuff like that. I think the Colts will come out with a puncher's chance to win this. I am literally saying they have a puncher's chance to win this game. But I do not expect them to win this game. In fact, I think that this is a game that's going to get ugly in some respects. I think they'll come out well, but late in the game, if uh, my must start on my spot on uh, picks 11 was Josh Jacobs for this reason. Game script and also, I think he'll be able to effectively run the ball in this against this uh, defensive unit. Uh, and late in the game, he'll definitely eat. I have the Raiders winning this one 27-16. Again, I think that they come out punchy. They come out and they try to tail off. They know they had a, the worst offensive output in the last three decades. I do think they put points on the board, and I think they try. But I think the Raiders, they're way more talented. But even as bad as they've been, they can get this W um, at home. Um, so 27-16. The Raiders are only four and a half point favorites, which is very odd and does make this stink to me. Because, again, unless I'm mistaken, they're playing at home. Right? They're playing against a team with an interim coach who's never coached college or NFL football. I think he's coached high school football in Cobb County. Um, so I have a confidence level of nine on this. I can't get this in my lock of the week, but if you're in Vegas, watching Vegas, think that Vegas should cover four and a half. That just feels funky, even though they might know something. There is something turmoilly going on with that team, though. I will say that much. And then the over-under is 41 and a half. I have the over on this with a combined score of 43. I have a confidence level three on this. <clears throat> I feel they'll be plucky. I feel that they can be a solid team. Jonathan Taylor, if he's healthy, can come out and get a, some good runs. But I think that team is awful right now. Like, whatever's going on, they're awful. Not enough points might be scored. And that's why I only have a confidence level three. 
I have the over, but this could honestly be one of those 21 to, to, to six games and be way under. <clears throat> now we have two 425 games with the game of the week, the Cowboys at the Packers. Again, this one's pretty simple to me as well. You have some offensive line struggles on the Packers, and they also can't get the ball down the field. They have issues at wide receiver, miscommunications, things like that. Dobbs is definitely out. Christian Watson might play. Um, Alan Lazar is their number one guy. And then you come up against a defense that has dudes who want to go eat. Them boys want to eat, right? So they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Um, and then you have the opposition. The Packers are not good against the run. They have one of the least effective uh, run defenses, even if the yards aren't there. And against the pass, they're middle of the road. Eh. I feel like this is going to be a weird game. I feel like it's both a bounce-back game, but an ineffective bounce-back game. I feel like the Packers are going to play better football than they did last week. That that game smelled bad from jump. That's why I picked the Lions to win that game. It smelled bad from jump. This one, I expect the Packers to be competitive and actually might have a lead in this game at some point. But I do have the Cowboys winning this one, 21 to 16. I just think the Packers in the red zone, they're so inefficient. The Cowboys are coming and hunting. They're going to kick a lot of field goals if the Green Bay Packers. I have them kicking three here. And the Cowboys actually being effective in the red zone because the Cowboys have efficiency gained in the red zone. Dallas is a four and a half point favorite, which again, that line is actually properly set in a lot of respects because it means that in a neutral site game, they're probably about a touchdown favorite at home. They'd be a double-digit favorite. That's pretty much what this four-and-a-half-point line speaks to. I have a conference level of four on it. I have the Cowboys covering by half a point, but I feel like this is a close game. I feel like the Packers will probably lose, but by three or four. So that four-and-a-half is meh, even though I have the Cowboys winning by five. That's why I say it's going to be a closest game. I only have a conference level of four. What I do have a conference level of seven on is that over-under 43. I just think this... The Cowboys aren't going to try to out-explosive them. This, this, the only way that happens is if the Packers mail it in. And if the Packers mail it in, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to score. So 43 points. The Cowboys are not going to put up 40-something points in this game. If the, if the Packers mail it in, expect 31 to be up there. That means the Packers are probably scoring 7. That's the mail-in job. Now, I can be wrong on that. That's why I have a conference level of 7 for this under. But it just seems like a lot of points... When you have a team that can't score in the red zone and you have another team that honestly wants to get the game over, the Packers will literally have to mail it in and give it up, which is possible since they've already lost five in a row, I believe, to be at three and nine, uh, three and six. All right. And then the last game on that 425 slate, we're looking at the Cardinals at the Rams, a divisional matchup. <clears throat> Excuse me. This one's pretty simple to me. Matt Stafford's in the concussion protocol. We'll start there, right? So Matt Stafford being in a concussion protocol. That's an issue. Kyler Murray is having his own issues and not practicing. Okay, so I'm going into this game with the following thought process. Both backup quarterbacks are starting. So we're going to offer John Wolford a bad offensive line with a running game that's inefficient and a receiving core that only has Cooper Cup. We're going to offer Colt McCoy, DeAndre Hopkins, Robbie Anderson, and Rondell Moore with a healthy now James Conner and Zach Ertz with an offensive line that's middle of the pack. Okay. All right, we'll start there. Then we're also going to see on the defensive side of the ball, what's the effectiveness of the Rams defense? 
Uh, they fly around. They give internal pressure. True. They have a corner who can lock down. But guess what? This is a quick play offense that can also get the ball out of the quarterback's hands effectively. I think the offense is more efficient and effective when Cole McCoy runs it because of the superior nature of Kyler Murray's athleticism. He sometimes off-schedules stuff. So, the defense won't be able to affect him as much. On the other side, guess who does come with pressure? You see, you can get Byron, Byron Murphy to, to do some things against Allen Robinson and kind of effectively eliminate him. Then you get those quick, free-flowing safety-slash-linebacker guys, those hybrid guys like Isaiah Simmons, and have Buda Baker moving around with Thompson over the top. Listen, I just feel like this is going to be an ugly game. I feel like it's a game where you'll get some scoring. And I have the Cardinals scoring, 22. And the Rams actually moving the ball, but not being able to do much when they get in the red zone. Not a lot of open spaces, 16. So Cardinals, 22, Rams, 16. The over-under is the Rams by a point and a half. I have a comments level of seven if the Cardinals are going to cover that because I think they'll win the game straight up. And also, again, I'm of the mindset that neither Stafford nor Kyler Murray are playing. If they both play, give me the Cardinals. If neither play, give me the Cardinals. If Stafford plays and McCoy plays, that's where you might have a Rams advantage. But I think that still isn't an advantage large enough with the line issues that they have. The over-under is 40 and a half. I have a combined score of 38 here. So coin flip again. The under is what I'm recommending, but I have a confidence level of five on this. I think that it's one of those situations where you can just see and sniff and smell an ugly game that could even produce points and really piss you off uh, and go over on this. All right, last two games of the primetime games. We have the 820 Sunday night football game. Uh, It it is a California uh, matchup in a game that honestly will be entertaining, but not in the way you think. I think it'll be a more hilarious game than anything. a lot of good names, but the Chargers are at the 49ers. Man, this one is simple to me. You have a team that has given up a historically bad uh, rate of rushes, almost 5.7 yards per carry in the Chargers. You have a team that just got Christian McCaffrey, had a week off, and also knows how to run the ball, and they'll run straight at you. Not even just with power, but they'll do that whole zone scheme that screws people up. And then they can play actually over the top. You no longer have JC Jackson. He's done for the season. Um, and then on the opposite side, you have that aggressive defense coming at a guy, Justin Herbert, who he was my must sit on picks 11. And part of it was, while he's a real life, quality, real life quarterback, he's down probably Keenan Allen. He's down Mike, uh, Mike Williams for sure. He's got pep barbecue chicken, barbecue pepper ribs and an offensive line that's not as effective as it could be. Okay. Give me the Niners to win by double digits. I'm going to make it nice and say 24 to 14, but this could be one of those games that everyone wanted off the Sunday night football slate if things go in a certain way. And I actually heard a pretty respected analyst earlier say the Chargers might win. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know. Before I even saw the spread, I was like, this game shouldn't be close. And this is one of the bigger spreads of the week. I think it's the third biggest spread of the week behind only the the Kansas City Chiefs by nine and the next game we're going to talk about uh, as well. But yeah. San Francisco's a seven-point favorite. I have a confidence level of eight that they're going to probably beat that seven points. I just think that this is not a close game. The matchup's terrible. The only way that things go south is if Jimmy G loses his mind or there's some sort of odd turnover. But otherwise, if this is played as a clean game, this game shouldn't be close at all. And it doesn't mean the Chargers are terrible. The Chargers are just a middle-of-the-road team. They're just average. They are a 9-8 and eight team that's probably going to end up winning more games than that. 8-9, 9-18, they'll probably win more games than that, probably win 10, 
maybe somehow 11 if they win this game, but they're not that good. They're also not trash. So it's just a ugh type situation. Okay, so the over-under is 45.5. My combined score is 48. Or, no, third. Oh, I screwed that up. So this is one of those where you make a mistake and you have to revise it. Okay, folks. This is actually going to change the outcome of what I had. So I had a confidence level of either over under at 45.5 and I put down over. My combined score is only 38. So I mathed wrong. Okay. For some reason I thought 48 when I was flying through this earlier. So I have the under. So I only had a confidence level of, of three before. So I'm putting a confidence level of seven. I think the under hits here. Here's why. I don't think the Niners are going to give up more than 20 points. Like, that's not going to happen. In fact, I think 17 is probably the ceiling on what they'll give up as far as points. I also don't think that the Chargers, the Niners are just not going to have to score too many points on this one. So I have a confidence level of 7 that the under is going to hit on this. Uh, That's why I was like, whoa. Um, I just feel like this is not a game for that, personally. All right. So... Let's move on to the last game on the slate. Plus, I want to go watch this game. And that is Monday Night Football. Another divisional matchup situation where the Commanders are at the Eagles. Um, I'll make this one pretty simple. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC, clearly. And they're the most complete team in the NFL right now. I don't think they're the, the best team. I think that they're the best regular season team. It'll wait to be seen if what happens in the playoffs. I still take the Chiefs. I Say what you will. Until a dude doesn't go to a championship game, which Patrick Mahomes has gone every year he's been the starter, you're gonna have to he's gonna have to show me he can't at least go to a championship game. He's been in either the AFC championship or the Super Bowl every season of his career. Anyway, back to this. They're the best and most complete team, but guess what? The team that can probably give them the most headache is a healthy Washington Commanders team. And that's what they get. Chase Young should now be back. He should be in a fair swing of things, I believe he should be back. Maybe I'm incorrect on that, but if he is back and he's in the swing of things, this offensive line will be tested. More than they were tested even against the Cowboys. Why? Different style of defense. These guys are bigger. Again, the Cowboys had a bunch of guys who were jitterbugs, and so you could do a lot of effective stuff to like slow them down, and also you could run at them. It's going to be difficult to run straight at these dudes. They got some beast in the middle with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Having Montez Sweat. And, and Chase Young, they're, look, it's a different animal, right? And then on the opposite side of the ball, they have a guy, unlike with Carson Wentz, who was willing to make mistakes, but it was just always comical with Carson Wentz to the point where it was almost sad. Taylor Heineke is willing to make mistakes, but this dude is the new Ryan Fitzpatrick where he don't care about nothing except more entertaining, to be honest, because I was never entertained by Fitzpatrick. Uh, say, take of that what you will. And I'm just going to sit here and say, oh, this might be a game where they get some points up just from sheer ridiculousness. And I can see that this game will end up not being able to be put away by the Eagles because of that ridiculousness combined with that defense. Eagles are winning this game, but 21 to 18 is my final score prediction. And oddly enough, I can see one of those things where it's a late score and then a go for two. And then all of a sudden it's an onside kick situation and they still don't get it until they lose by three. And why I think that's ridiculous is because the spread is that scenario. If it was 21-10 and then that scenario I just described happened, that means that they were up by 11. Spread is 11 for the Eagles in this game. Uh, I have a confidence level of 6 that the commanders are going to cover this. 
because I just think 11 is too many points for a game like this. I just feel like that defensive line will keep things in order. The Eagles are not trying to bludgeon and blow you out. They already proved some points. Now they're in the everyone's pumping them up, talking about them mode. They just want to win games now. Stay healthy and win games. So that's why I think this 11 is too bloated for this particular game. And if it was Carson Wentz, perfectly set line because mistakes would be made without the benefit of the positives that I think Heineke can make in this game. Um, the over-under is 44 points. I have the under here because I have a combined score of 39. I have a conference level of six on that as well. If I'm wrong on this and the Eagles are able to do what the Eagles have done to a lot of teams, they'll smother and not allow 18 points. So they won't have to score as many points. So even if they do for some reason cover, it won't be a ridiculous cover. It'll be a 28 to 10 type situation where, or 24 to 10, where the under still hits. It's just, they covered, but they didn't get to the under because this defense smothers. All right, so that's all of my over-unders, confidence scores on spreads and, and kind of some breakdowns of each game. Again, this one's being done late. I'm actually finishing up right now at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I want to get this uploaded, uh, mainly so that it's on the record. And unfortunately, I won't be able to help you in fantasy. But again, if you're playing many guys tonight, um, you probably already had an expectation that there's, you know who they are. Okay. So this is Chris James for the Chopping It Up With CJ podcast. A good follow on Twitter at CJ Florida Nine. That's at CJ the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Signing off for Turf Talk Thursdays, the eighth episode of it. Enjoy tonight's game. Play here in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and I will be back tomorrow for Fantasy Football Fridays. Bye bye, folks. <laughs>